I'll tell you a story that has left me both perplexed and fascinated. It involves a young preteen boy named John, who hailed from a local farming family. One fateful day while he was out in the fields, John vanished without a trace. The entire village rallied together in a frantic search, desperately hoping to find any clue as to his whereabouts. However, despite their efforts, John remained elusive, and his family endured the unbearable agony of his absence. Then, in a twist of fate that seemed almost miraculous, four years after his disappearance, John inexplicably reappeared at the farmhouse. Strangely, he appeared virtually unchanged, as if only a single day had passed since his vanishing. Understandably, John found it immensely difficult to comprehend the passage of time that his parents insisted had transpired during his absence. As he recounted his extraordinary tale, it became clear that his extraordinary tale, it became clear that his experiences during those lost years were far from ordinary. According to John, he had been accosted by a group of peculiar little men while he was in the field. Their actions rendered him completely senseless, and when he regained consciousness, he found himself in a mysterious land unlike anything he had ever seen before. Frustratingly, he could not provide a coherent explanation of this new realm, but he insisted that the enigmatic little men possessed the ability to show him glimpses of his family's lives. During his time in captivity, John was able to describe in vivid detail certain events that had taken place in his family's absence. He spoke of their visits to Ramsey Corn Market and other activities that he had witnessed from this perplexing land. However, despite his desperate attempts to communicate with his family, all his efforts were in vain. He existed as a mere observer, unable to directly interact with his loved ones, despite his ghost-like endeavors to reach out to them. To John's dismay, he lost all sense of time during his sojourn in that mysterious realm. Days, months, and years, months and years merged into a bewildering blur, leaving him disoriented and disconnected from the flow of time that governed his family's life. Then one day, he awakened in a peculiar spot, far removed from the company of the little men who had held him captive. Sensing their absence, he seized the opportunity to make his way home, gradually regaining his senses as he journeyed back to the farmhouse. Although still groggy from his ordeal, John's relief upon finding his family again was immeasurable. To this day, John remains unable to provide a satisfactory explanation for the inexplicable events he experienced. The enigma surrounding his disappearance and subsequent return has left both him and those who hear his story astounded and bewildered. The tale of John's bewildering odyssey serves as a reminder of the unfathomable mysteries that exist beyond the confines of our everyday reality, forever challenging our understanding of the world around us. In the spring of 2021, I was driving home from work on a long, dark stretch of highway from Fairbanks, Alaska to Ileson, AFB. About halfway home, there was a bright flash all around me, almost like a flash of a huge camera going off. Right after the flash, everything in my car started to die slowly. The lights went out, the radio stopped working, and eventually, the car died completely. My first thought was a battery problem. The next thing I remember was the car starting up again on its own and everything working as before. 
I drove home thinking it had only been a few seconds. I was completely shocked when I arrived at our house in military housing to find out that I had lost an hour and twenty minutes. I have absolutely no memory of what happened during that time. Ever since that incident, I have had many medical issues and severe back problems. Doctors always ask me if I've had an injury. My husband and I have been married for 15 years and have seen many UFOs in our travels across the U.S. The largest one was in Wazilla, Alaska, somewhere around 2016. It was about the length of three football fields. Several cars were stopped along the road watching it, and it was reported in the paper the next day. Even state troopers reported seeing it. After that sighting, my husband began having vivid dreams. We found out about five years ago that my husband's blood type changed. He'd been typed in high school and throughout his military career as typer or as typer. He had a physical five years ago and was typed a plus. The doctors thought there was a mistake and sent him to the hospital to be retyped. Although all his previous records showed O+, plus, he is now a plus. He is now a plus as confirmed by three separate doctors. The dreams for my husband still continue. Mine have stopped for now, but we still see many UFOs. Some just lights and some we can see the entire body of the ship. I haven't reported any of this before because of fear of reprisal. In late February, amidst the enchanting landscape that straddles the border of Westmoreland and Indiana counties, my senses were ignited by a sighting that would forever alter my perception of the supernatural. It was an early morning, around 7.15 a.m., when the world was still cloaked in a tranquil embrace. Little did I know that I was about to become a witness to an otherworldly encounter. I found myself in a remote rural area near the Chestnut Ridge, surrounded by a serene stillness. As I cast my gaze toward a weathered building, a peculiar sight caught my attention. Behind the structure stood a diminutive figure, approximately four feet tall, draped in a shroud of gray hair. It resembled a small Bigfoot, but there was something subtly different about its appearance. Mesmerized by this enigmatic creature, I began to notice a curious phenomenon unfolding around me. Echoing through the air, emanating from the depths of the nearby woods, came a series of haunting whoop, whoop, whoop sound. Each resonant call sent shivers down my spine, as if beckoning the smaller creature to answer its cryptic summons. Without hesitation, the diminutive being sprang into motion, its agile form darting toward the origin of the haunting calls. I stood there, rooted to the spot, as the mysteries of the unseen world unfolded before my eyes. The boundaries of reality seemed to blur, leaving me suspended between awe and trepidation. Two days later, on that very same property, a new chapter in this unfolding tale of the extraordinary was written. A putrid stench, reminiscent of rotting meat or decaying eggs, permeated the air, weaving an atmosphere of unease. The odor lingered for what felt like an eternity, tainting the very essence of the surroundings, before gradually dissipating into the ethereal abyss. As if responding to this unholy scent, the resident's faithful canine companion fell ill, overcome by a mysterious malaise. The once vibrant and eager companion now cowered in fear, refusing to venture beyond the threshold of the familiar. 
It was as though the tendrils of an unseen force had ensnared the very spirit of the faithful creature. This remarkable series of events became a chapter in the storied history of this enigmatic locale. The whispers of previous encounters between beings akin to Bigfoot echoed through the annals of time, intertwining with the tapestry of legends and folklore that had woven its way into the fabric of this land. As I reflect on my encounter, I'm left with more questions than answers. My best friend and I worked overnight security at a Waffle House in 2002-ish. He was tall, lanky, and had a death metal vibe. I was wide, stout, and bearded like a dwarf. We looked like badasses. We were not. We waited in line for Harry Potter 4 and attended a weekly vampire, the Masquerade LARP. We were not badasses. The reason this particular Waffle House required such lackluster security was one town over. The stretch of Tulane that passed by our Waho connected one dusty country-ass town to a dusty country-ass town to a dustier, though slightly less country town. Hicktown A had a considerable black population. Hicktown B had the nearest dance club. Everything else in between was cowboy whiskey halls. Every weekend night at 2 a.m., everyone who had made the pilgrimage to Hicktown B for healthy doses of alcohol and ass passed by the Waho and we filled to capacity until 4 a.m. For the most part, the presence of security was an overreaction from a Hicktown Waho owner. We were busy, but there was rarely any kind of trouble. Sometimes words would be exchanged over the counter. We'd stand up, the rowdy customer would say, man of this place, and leave. By the time they got to our counter, everyone was pretty partied out and just wanted something scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and diced before they passed out. One night, things got scary. My buddy Ray and I were sitting by the jukebox on our sixth Whitesnake song because it was the only thing on the machine that didn't twang. Around one, a young interracial couple came in. Cute kids, late teens, nice customers. About ten minutes after the kids came in, a pack of white supremacists walks in. This was before 2016. This was when white supremacists still stayed in their holes and hadn't yet aligned with a political party. They were rare. You only saw them in prison shows and Ed Norton movies. But here they were. Six of them. Cliché tattoos and all. They sat at the bar, backs to the door. Their shirts were adorned with slogans that made a civilization cry. Ray and I looked to the manager for some kind of silent message. We were a little worried. We weren't worried because they were there. We weren't worried because there was an interracial couple sitting 20 feet from Nazis. What worried us was that it was 1.30. In 30 minutes, our establishment would be hosting, on average, 40 young, drunk black men and women who live every day under the weight of the continuous oppression and sour demeanor of Southern hospitality. Those men and women will open our doors and, through a haze of smoke and Hennessy, see white power shouted at them six different horrible ways from the backs at the bar. It was going to get ugly. There was going to be blood. But based on the way we expected the 40 Vs, six fight to go, we weren't sure we were going to get involved at all. 
The boss came and sat with us for a moment. We had a little meeting, kind of a fight coordination. I'd get Fattis on the ground. Ray would pop Dad across the nose. The kitchen was there for backup and they were ready to dive in. We waited. The kitchen double-timed their orders in hopes of getting them out quick. The kids got their food. They ate calmly, casting the occasional nervous glance. The filth got their food. They ate calmly, casting the occasional hateful glance. The filth stood up, dropped a bunch of cash, and left. It was 1.57. Five minutes later, the customary trickle of stumblers who were the definition of young, dumb, and full of cum came pouring in. Five minutes. Those hillbilly men were five minutes away from dying. I've always wondered if they meant to start shit and just chickened out or if they just got lucky and left at the right time. Either way, the moment they left was one of the biggest reliefs of my life. I'll never forget that night, even though, in the end, nothing happened. I and my wife live in a mid-sized city in a fairly populated area in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, just off a very busy main road. This happened around June or July of 2022. We mostly live around older people and college students, and rent is very cheap as it's not the nicest neighborhood. My wife's job is a five-minute walk from our apartment, and she was getting home very late that night, around 1.30 a.m. She came in looking scared to death and eventually told me she saw the following. She said there was a small humanoid running out from between ourses and our neighbor's house. It was dressed like and had the proportions of an approximately four-year-old child and wore a striped shirt and pants. She said he stopped, appeared to be a boy, and looked in her direction briefly before running off between another house. child appeared to have a potato sack or burlap sack over his head. It was possibly drawn on. She is a major vibes person, but she has never said anything like this before, though she has excellent instincts. She didn't get a sense. It was evil, but she was terrified after. If I bring up the child, she gets freaked out and won't talk about it. No small children live on our street, and there are regular gunshots, screaming angry homeless guys that we are very accustomed to after three years of living here. In short... It's not a place an approximately four-year-old child would be out alone at 1.30 a.m. She also did not tell me what happened right away. She appeared scared but talked about work, unrelated things before telling me that. I think she thought I would judge her, tell her she was lying. It never happened again, and I have never seen or felt anything. If anyone has any theories, I'd love to know. It freaks me out to think about it especially because that house he ran from is owned by a bachelor and has an enclosed, gated backyard. So I spoke to her again about it. She said that it was strange because the door to our next-door neighbor's backyard was closed, and it seemed to go through the door. She said it ran in an unusually playful manner and seemed scared only when it stopped to look at her. It actually ran to the opposite side of the same house, which I got wrong the first time. From her report, it did not run like a child, but had a quick, playful movement. Sort of like a rabbit. It made no sound or movement to indicate distress other than running skipping. Away quicker than a child would. She felt it was an internal sense that it was paranormal, and that she saw something she wasn't supposed to should not continue. 
If it has to have a face to be a humanoid, I apologize. I wasn't aware honestly and was trying to learn about the story. This is Pittsburgh. No, the bag covered the child's entire head, but she did say that the burlap bag may have been drawn on, like two little X over the eyes, but not a full face. She did not glimpse the skin color or cannot remember from shock. It didn't speak or make any sound that she can remember. It just ran. A few years ago, I took up hunting with my stepdad, as is tradition in his family. He's from northern Ontario, and we only hunt to fill our freezers. The first morning of my first hunt, I went out to my watch an hour and a half early, like the knob that I was. Let me tell you, there is nothing creepier than sitting in the bush in the pitch black, waiting for the sun to come up, and you can't even see your hand, six inches from your face. Anyways, maybe about half an hour into sitting there and shitting my pants, I feel what I thought was a slight touch across the back of my neck. I shiver, turn around. Nothing there, again dark as F. Not the smartest guy here. Maybe five minutes later, same thing. Now I'm really creeped out. I clutch my gun closer than ever and call out, Hello, someone there. No answer, of course. Swearing to myself, I turn around again, hoping that it's just my imagination. Nope. Few minutes pass by, same goddamn thing again. This time I jump up, stumble over a branch or maybe a rock, and eat dirt. Just as I'm about to get myself up, something grabs the back of my jacket and yanks me onto my ass. At this point, I'm screaming. Then I realize whatever the F is, there is screaming back. Then it dawns on me, that's hysterical laughter, not screaming. My stepdad spent half an hour creeping out to me just to scare the daylights out of me on my first hunt. I had to answer some pretty embarrassing questions about all the screaming before dawn when I got back to camp for lunch. I love that guy. My friend and I were camping at a large national park and we knew there were other people in yelling distance away, but we never saw them. We're sleeping one night in our single tent, and I woke up to very heavy, half-dragging, labored running steps in the gravel ground twigs, and it is coming towards us. I'm trying to listen closer to it, and it's for sure a person or something with two legs, and then I hear some word I can't understand being repeated over and over again in this exhausted, super-heavy, breathing, almost whipster yell. This guy is yelling this nonsense word, but is still attempting to walk, run, drag their feet, and they are 100% coming closer to our tent. The guy gets crazy close to our tent. It's pitch black at this point. It's impossible to know if he saw it or not. Keeps repeating this word and walks, runs, drags his feet past. I'm so scared I'm crying. I get now why people cry in horror movies, and I'm trying to get my friend to wake up. They're the kind of person who wakes up with you, wakes up with, uh, what? He wakes up, and I explain what happened and how we need to get to our car that is parked close to our tent. Maybe ten steps away, he tells me it's fine. That he didn't hear anything and that the guy was clearing running away. I'm shaking and pleading we go to the car. Twenty minutes pass and the same running is coming towards us, but even slower and with even more labored breathing. 
The guy is now yelling, is anyone there? Anyone. And whispering that nonsense word to himself and then running, stopping and yelling, anyone. At one point, he was so close to our tent, his breathing felt like it was right over us. He very slowly dragged his feet past again. This is a huge, huge, huge national park. For this guy to make this way all the way around is amazing, especially in the time he did it. My friend looks me in the eye, and mouths get to the car. We run to the car and just stayed there awake, scared until the sun came up. About a year ago, I finished work late and had arranged to stay at a friend's house afterwards to get stoned. I decided I'd go home first and shower, eat and charge my phone, which I forgot to do. As I'm about to set off, I notice it started to rain pretty heavy and decided I'd walk through the woods and cut my journey time in half. I had walked through these woods a hundred times before and never had anything strange or unsettling happen before, day or night. Within five minutes of entering the woods, I get the feeling someone is right behind me. I check and no one is, but I still had this uneasy and paranoid feeling. I end up glancing back over my shoulder every 10-20 seconds before I forced myself to stop being paranoid and man up. After walking for another 10 minutes or so, I realize the rain has stopped and apparently so had everything else because there was no sound at all, other than my breathing and footsteps. I stood still and listened to this deafening silence for a minute before I got that awful someone who stood less than a foot behind you turn around right now feeling that I had when I first entered and before I could even think about turning my head, I felt something brush against my back. Now at this point I'm pretty much paralyzed with fear and just stood staring straight ahead and holding my breath for what felt like a lifetime, hoping it was my imagination until I felt the same brushing. Feeling on my shoulder, this time I immediately sprinted as fast as I could straight ahead. The ground was a little wet from the rain and I ended up slipping and hitting my head on a tree trunk hard enough that I felt immediately sick and dizzy. I tried to carry on running but my balance was awful and I kept sliding all over the place in the mud. I eventually just collapsed into some bushes and tried to call my friend. But my phone had died. I did eventually manage to get to my feet again and kept going. I couldn't run because I was too dizzy, but the entire time I was speed walking out of those woods, I still felt uneasy, and it was still dead quiet. To this day, I'm unsure if anything was actually there with me. I know it wasn't a branch from a tree that brushed against me, because no branches are that low next to the trail that I was walking on. But even if I just imagined something touching me, nothing could explain how quiet it got, I felt, like I wasn't welcome there. My name is Judy Cook, and my husband, Mick and I, have been dealing with a strange occurrence on our remote central Queensland property. Over the past 18 years, we have found 20 cows that have been killed in the same peculiar way, with their organs removed with surgical precision and without any blood left at the scene. The most recent incident occurred just six months ago, when we discovered a cow's carcass with its udder, cheek, and tongue cleanly removed. Once again, there was no blood or evidence of movement at the site. We can't explain how this is happening, but we have come to the conclusion that it might be aliens. How is it happening? It must have something that lifts it up and puts it down and doesn't leave any marks, I told the Daily Mercury. 
Aliens are the only explanation I have got. Initially, we never believed in the supernatural. However, after seeing strange lights in the sky around our property, we have started to think that something not human might be responsible. One night there was a light in the distance, very bright. We couldn't tell how close it was. My husband Mick said, It looked like it was just on the boundary of the property where I had found a mob of cattle out that way the next day who looked terrorized, and they started running as soon as I got close to them, which was very strange. We run 1,100 cattle on a 14,600-hectare property west of Yungela, about 80 kilometers west of Mackay, and we are not isolated. Despite this, we are still grappling with the bizarre occurrences on our land. I used to be a park ranger at Yellowstone National Park, and I loved my job. The breathtaking landscapes, the majestic wildlife, and the sense of solitude made every day an adventure. But that all changed one fateful evening, and now I can't erase the haunting memory from my mind. It was a typical day on patrol when I received a call about a possible injured animal near one of the remote trails. Concerned for the safety of both the visitors and the wildlife, I decided to investigate the matter personally. As I approached the trail, I noticed an unusual silence in the air. Normally, the forest would be alive with the sounds of birds and rustling leaves. But now there was an eerie stillness that sent a chill down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was not right. I followed the trail cautiously, my flashlight guiding the way through the encroaching darkness. Suddenly my senses were jolted as I caught sight of a strange figure up ahead. It was enormous standing at least eight feet tall, and its dark grey fur blended with patches of brown. At first I thought it might be a bear, but its features were unlike anything I had seen before. It had a mane similar to that of a male lion, but the rest of its body and lion, but the rest of its body and legs had shorter hair. Most astonishingly, it was walking upright on its hind legs, resembling a grotesque hybrid of human and animal. My heart raced in my chest as I struggled to comprehend what I was witnessing. This couldn't be real. There were no known animals like this in Yellowstone or anywhere else for that matter. The creature seemed to sense my presence and turned its head in my direction, locking its eyes with mine. Fear and curiosity battled within me as I hesitated, unsure of how to react. Then, without warning, the creature dropped to all fours and disappeared into the shadows, moving with an agility and speed that defied belief. I stood there, paralyzed by shock, trying to process what I had just seen. My mind raced with possibilities, but none of them made any sense. The encounter was overworldly, and I knew I had stumbled upon something beyond my understanding. I rushed back to the ranger station and tried to compose myself, but the image of the unknown predator lingered in my mind. I couldn't keep this to myself. I had to tell someone. So, I shared my encounter with my fellow rangers, hoping they would have an explanation. But all I received were incredulous stares and nervous laughter. Feeling dismissed and disillusioned, I eventually decided to leave my job as a park ranger. The encounter had shaken me to my core, and I couldn't bear the thought of returning to those woods, not knowing what else might be lurking in the shadows.